It was a Friday. It was a Friday that Jesus said three words that changed the world forever. It is finished. It was on the sixth day. I want you to connect those two. It was on a Friday. It's on the sixth day that Jesus said three words. It's not a coincidence. It is finished on Friday. It is finished on the sixth day. It was three o'clock on Friday, the sixth day, when Jesus said three words. It is finished. Six hours on a Friday, on the sixth day, it is finished. Do you know what the Jews called that day, that Friday? Preparation day. None of this is a coincidence. None of this is happenstance. It's all part of a plan so large, so incredible. Preparation day. It was the preparation day for the Sabbath. That's what the preparation day means. It's Friday, and Saturday is the Jewish Sabbath. Saturday is the seventh day, and they know, and you know, what they were supposed to do and not do on the seventh day. It was the preparation day for the Sabbath. But this particular day was going to be unique in the Jewish Hebrew calendar. It was not just preparation day for the Sabbath. It's preparation day for the Passover, which begins on the Sabbath. It only happens once a year. That's where we're going to pick up the story today. It was preparation day. This is session number 40 of 43. That means there's only three left after today, and I've got a challenge for the church. Here's the challenge for the church. You've got to hear how this story ends. I can tell you the title of the next three weeks. Uh, next Sunday will be Dead and Buried. Sunday after that's going to be the Breath of Life, and the Sunday after that's going to be Gone Fishing. You got to hear how this thing ends. John ends very uniquely compared to Matthew, Mark, and Luke. You got to hear it. And you got to, here's my challenge you got to tell somebody that you got to come hear how this story ends. And that'll put such a taste in their mind that they'll want to see the rest of the story later. John 19 31. Here we go. It was the day of preparation. And the Jewish leaders didn't want the bodies hanging there the next day, which was the Sabbath, a very special Sabbath, because it was going to be Passover. So they asked Pilate to hasten their deaths by ordering that their legs be broken. Hasten whose deaths? There's three men on three crosses. And we don't want our Sabbath, our Passover, to get messed up. 
So they asked Pilate to hasten the deaths by ordering that their legs be broken. Then their bodies could be taken down. Preparation day is when you prepare. That's pretty simple, right? Prepare for the Sabbath and prepare for the Passover. The Jewish day ends at sundown. So time is running out on preparation day. If the sixth day, the preparation day, ended at sundown, come on, everybody listen. If the sixth day, if preparation day ends at sundown, when did the sixth day begin? You might say, who cares? No, I care. You care. When did it begin? When did Jesus' last day begin? If the sixth day ends as the sun goes down, then the sixth day began at sundown on Thursday evening. So here's my question. What was happening as Jesus began the sixth day? His last day. Thursday evening is Jesus' last day. It's beginning. Preparation day is the beginning. Can somebody tell me what Jesus was doing at the beginning of preparation day? Some of you know. You just did it. The Last Supper. The Last Supper was taking place on Jesus' last day. At the beginning of his last day. At the beginning of the sixth day. The Last Supper began Jesus' last day. The Last Supper began the sixth day. Preparation day. As the sun sat on that Thursday evening, Jesus was experiencing the Last Supper. And then he went to the Garden of Gethsemane. How did he spend his last day? How did he spend preparation day? He had the Last Supper. He went to the Garden of Gethsemane. There was the arrest, the mock trial before the Jewish council, and then the trial before Pilate. So how did he spend his last day? What was it like? What would it be like to experience the final preparation day? He was mocked. He was whipped. He was led through the streets as if he were a common criminal. Preparation day for Jesus came to a dramatic completion as he cried out three words. It is finished. They hurried to get his body down from before the sun would set. Listen, they're in a hurry. It's recorded. John records it. They're in a hurry to get his body down before the sun would set on the sun's last day. His preparation day. Remember, the Jewish day is from sunset to sunset. And all of this took place from sunset to sunset on the sixth day, on a Friday, on a preparation day. Now let me ask you a question, all of that to come to this question. What is the day of man? Think about it. 
What day was man created? Do you think, do you think all this is just some randomness? What is the day of man? What day was man created? He was created on the sixth day, on a Friday. And when does the sixth day begin? On Thursday evening at sundown. And when does the sixth day end? On Friday evening at sundown. Do you realize that it all happened? Everything happened that changed the world. It all happened in the sixth day. The day of man. Preparation day. For what? Preparation day doesn't make any sense unless you're preparing for something. It's preparation day. The, the Friday, the sixth day, is a preparation for what? The Passover. Well, what's the Passover? The Passover is the day that you rest and you stop thinking about you and you start thinking about the one that made you. That's what you do on the Sabbath. But it's also a preparation day for the Passover. On the Sabbath, what, what did God command the people to do? I want you to take a day and rest from your labors, and I want you to focus on the one who made you, your God. But then there's the Passover. What, if you're going to be preparation day, not just for the Sabbath, but preparation day for the Passover, what are you preparing for then? You're preparing to remember the one that saved your life. What is the Passover? That's when death passes over you. Let me translate that. That's the day somebody saved your life. Preparation day was the sixth day. And Jesus did it all on the sixth day. On the sixth day, Jesus died for the sins of man. On the sixth day, Jesus died for the guilt of man preparing that's preparation day preparing us for the passover it was on the sixth day that the first adam was given life and thus all mankind was given life on the sixth day stay with me it was on the sixth day that god breathed into adam the breath of life and thus because we all came from adam all of human existence finds its life in the sixth day it was on the sixth day preparation day friday that the last adam that's what the bible calls jesus the last adam would give up his life so that all of mankind could find new life in his name the gospel of mark puts it like this mark 15 42 this all happened on friday Here's Mark's summary. This all happened on Friday, the day of preparation, the day before the Sabbath as the evening approached. This timing is no coincidence. It is the perfect plan of God. Life for man came on the sixth day from God to Adam. If you're struggling with that, then you're struggling with the very foundation of all mankind. That life was corrupted. What? Adam's life was corrupted by sin, and sin brought death to Adam, and all of Adam's seed, all of Adam's children, including Eve, because Eve wasn't Adam's child, but Eve was from Adam. And because Adam 
sin. Everything, everyone that came from Adam, that'd be Eve and all the children of mankind, were all born infected with a heart disease. It's fatal. You die from it. It's called death. There would need to be another Adam on the sixth day. Somebody say hallelujah. There would need to be another Adam on the sixth day. If life comes to all mankind on the sixth day, but then that life turns to death, there would need to be another Adam on the sixth day. New life that would come to all who receive the sacrificial gift of the last Adam. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 45 describes it. The scriptures tell us that the first man, listen, the first, the scriptures announced that the first man, Adam, became a living person. That's why you're a living person, right? If you want to contribute it to a tadpole coming out of a pond, have a nice day. I'm not buying it. I'm not buying it. See, I believe the first Adam made living persons. But the last Adam, who is that? You know, his name is Jesus. But the last Adam, that is Christ, is a life-giving spirit. Not just a living person, but a life-giving spirit. What comes first is the natural body. That's Adam. Then the spiritual body comes later. Adam, the first man, there it is again, was made from the dust of the earth. Do you think that's where Jesus comes from? No. While Christ, the second man, came from heaven. He didn't come from the dust of the earth. Earthly people are like the earthly man. And heavenly people are like the heavenly man. Just as we are now like the earthly man. Now I'm looking around the room and let me just tell you, we are all like Adam at birth. We're all the earthly man. We all came from Adam. But there's some news here. Just as we are now like the earthly man, we will someday, <laughs> we will someday, what? I'm grinning because I'm looking forward to that someday. We will someday be like the heavenly man. Like the heavenly man. Do you want to live like the earthly man or you want to live like the heavenly man? You see, here's what my conclusion is. Everybody wants to live like the heavenly man in the future. They just don't want to live like the heavenly man now. I want to live like the earthly man now, and then I want to end up like the heavenly man when this game's over. No, that's not how it works. No, 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 no. You need the life-given spirit to come inside of you. And that then changes you so that in some way you begin to take on the characteristics of the heavenly man even now in the earthly man body while you wait for the heavenly man appearance. Do you want to live like a living person or like a life-given spirit? You see, the problem with living like a living person is that your living person dies. But the life-given spirit doesn't die. It was the sixth day, and God was going to bring life again to planet Earth. Who would have ever thought that would look like a cross? 
It's the sixth day, and God's going to replicate in some way what he did on the original sixth day. He's going to bring life to the earth through the death of his son. It was called preparation day, and God was preparing the final sacrifice that would take away the sins of the world. That sixth day ended with what? Three words. It is finished. Preparation day was closing and the Sabbath was coming. A day to focus on God. Listen, preparation day, the sun's going to go down and the Sabbath, Saturday, the seventh day is going to start and the Jews know that on the Sabbath you've got to focus on God and not on you. Preparation day was coming, the Passover's coming. Well, what does that mean? It's not just focus on God instead of you. Now this is a special day in the calendar. And this is what? i got to focus on God's salvation. Passover is when you focus on salvation. When and how did God save my life? When did death pass over me? It went and got him and him and him, but it didn't get me. What is this, this event that death went over top of me and it cleared out a bunch of people, but it passed over me? Because I'll tell you, that night in Egypt, that first Passover, a whole bunch of people died. But it passed over some people. And on preparation day, you prepare yourself to come to grips with the day that death passed over people. Today, we assemble in this room and we take communion because we celebrate what? We celebrate a Sabbath that in the future, there's a rest for us. In the future, there's a day of rest for us coming. But we also celebrate the Passover. We celebrate that in the future, we're, we're going we're to understand fully that death passed over us. A bunch of people got it. They got the death and they did die, but it passed over us. We escaped it. Preparation was to prepare. To prepare for a rest and salvation. And what is the Passover that they are preparing for? To celebrate when God will do the last thing. It is finished. When he does this, He's done. All that needs to be done to reconcile mankind will be done. On the sixth day, listen, on this sixth day, on this sixth day, Jesus on the cross, it is finished. On this sixth day, death passed over man. Do you understand? Death passed over man as death. Listen, listen, listen. As death came to a man named Jesus, death was passing over a man named Terry. Insert your name. As death is coming into one man, death is passing over a bunch of other people. Do you know this was the plan of God from the beginning? Do you realize this was the plan before the first day? Do you know this was the plan before the first sixth day? Before Adam? Do you know? Do, do you know 
this is not an afterthought. We've started this and everything's got messed up. We've got to go do something. No. Ephesians 1.3. Listen to what the Holy Scripture says. All praise to God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. Everything you need is in Christ. That's what that just told you. Verse 4. Even before the even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. Even before the world was made, God was putting this plan together. God decided in advance, verse 5, to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure what adopting you on the cross on that sixth day he's signing the adoption papers he's he's signing your name in the adoption papers death's going to pass over this one because this one's going to be mine verse six so we praise god why for what so we praise god for this glorious grace did you do anything to get your name on that adoption paper? You weren't even born yet. How could you have done anything? So we'd what? We praise God for this glorious grace He's poured out on us who belong to His dear Son. He is so rich in kindness. He is so, so rich in grace that He purchased our freedom with the blood of His Son and forgave our sins. He has showered His kindness upon us with all along with all wisdom and all understanding you know how you get the wisdom and you know how you get the understanding in this book revealed by the holy spirit in fact i've been reading it to you since i started this morning did you get this wisdom did you get this understanding when you got the kindness and when you got the grace i got to tell you, it's kind of a package thing. When you get the kindness and when you get the grace, you begin to receive the wisdom and the understanding because it's the same Holy Spirit that does all of it. Did you know about the sixth day? Did you know about the sixth day event when everything would be finished so you and I could be adopted into the family of God through the blood of Christ? Did you know about this sixth day when you can live your life? Listen, listen, here's what the church is struggling with. You can live your life under the blessing. It's not just a future reward. You can live your life under the blessing today. That doesn't mean all your circumstances are wonderful. That's not what it means. It means you're under the blessing. You're sealed by the Holy Spirit. He's got you. He's covering you. He's your father. You're his son. You're his daughter. Did you know about the sixth day event when God poured out his grace on us and he purchased our freedom with the blood of his own son, forgiving your sins? Did you know about this sixth day event that moved you out of the family of Adam? Listen to me. He moved you out of the family of Adam and into the family of God through the blood of Christ. All of that to go back to the preparation day. 
all of that so we can right now go back to the preparation day. There's still more to do before the sun goes down on the sixth day. Dead bodies can't be hanging around on the Sabbath. Jews can't take it. Dead bodies can't be hanging around on the Sabbath, especially on the Passover Sabbath. So they must quickly get these bodies off the crosses, right? That's where we are in the story. We've got to get these bodies down off the crosses before dark. Speed things up so that they won't mess up our Passover party, right? We've got a big party going on. We've got a big celebration. We're going to celebrate the, 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 the Sabbath. We're going to celebrate God's rest. Focus on God while we kill His Son. And we're going to celebrate the death passing over us while death is among us. They don't even know, do they? So how do you speed up a crucifixion? You break the legs of the person on the cross. Do you understand something? How do you speed up? We've got to get this over with before dark. We've got to get these bodies off this tree before dark. It's going to mess up our Jewish festival. So how do you do it? You break their legs. How does that work? Crucifixion usually ends one's life by suffocation. That's how you die on the cross. Your body is, becomes so weak and so limp that the weight of your own torso, the weight of your own body pulls down so much that you can't breathe. And you die from suffocation. So breaking somebody's legs would make it where you can't hold yourself up any longer and it just speeds up the suffocation. Let's just put it plainly. So break their legs, they'll die faster. I'm going to ask you a question. Will they break the legs of Jesus on preparation day? Why not? It is written. If you ever want to know, is this true? That'll tell you a whole lot right there. Why not? Why not? Why not break his legs? John 19. Let's go on back to the story. Verse 31. It was the day of preparation. The Jewish leaders didn't want the bodies hanging there. The next day, which was the Sabbath, and a very special Sabbath because it was Passover, so they asked Pilate to hasten their deaths by ordering that their legs be broken. Then their bodies could be taken down. So, must have worked because the soldiers... So Pilate must have said, go ahead, break their legs. So the soldiers came and broke the legs of the two men crucified with Jesus. But when they came to Jesus, they saw that Jesus was already dead, so they didn't break his legs. One of the soldiers, however, pierced his side with a spear, and immediately blood and water flowed out. He's already dead. Six hours, and he's already dead. Why? This is a good question. The other two guys aren't dead. Six hours, and he's already dead. Why? How did the other two survive for more than six hours on the sixth day? Did Jesus have the power to determine his final hour? Did Jesus have the power to determine his final breath? On the sixth day, does he have that kind of power? Can the very person that gives life to others determine his last breath when it will be? 
Well, I don't want to answer. Let's let him answer. John 10, 17. Jesus said, The Father loves me because I sacrificed my life so I might take it back again. No one can take my life from me. I sacrifice it voluntarily. Listen, listen, listen. Verse 18. For I have the authority. I have the authority to lay my life down when I want to, and I have the authority to take it back again. For this is what my Father has commanded. Six hours on the sixth day, and it's finished. The preparation day is nearing its end. The Passover is coming. The time to celebrate God's saving my life. The day of rest is coming. Remembering God instead of me. Do you know why they didn't break Jesus' legs? <laughs> Some of you might hear the story so far and you say, because he's already dead. That's why. No, no, no. Do you really know why they didn't break Jesus' legs? I'll tell you in a minute. That was a teaser, by the way. But there's one more thing to cover first. John 19.34 One of the soldiers, however, pierced his side with a spear. And immediately blood and water flowed out. This report is from an eyewitness given an account, an accurate account. He speaks the truth so that you also can believe. Do you know why they didn't break his legs? But they did pierce his side with a spear. Do you know why they didn't break his legs? But instead of breaking his legs, that's what they did to the other guys. But instead of breaking his legs, they pierced his side with a spear. If he's already dead, why pierce his side? So if you think the reason they didn't break his legs is because he's already dead, then answer the question. If he's already dead, why do you put a spear in him? That doesn't make any sense. If you're the soldier and you're not sure and you don't really care, why not just do both? If you're a Roman soldier and you don't really like Jews anyway, why don't you break his legs and pierce his side? Who's in control here anyway? Pilate? Do you know why? Next verse, verse 36. These things happen to fulfill in fulfillment of the Scriptures. They're saying not one of his bones will be broken. And they will look on the one who is pierced. You see, there's something going on on that sixth day beyond mankind's power. Everything that happened on that preparation day had already been prepared and written down. Do you believe that? Everything taking place, it's already been prepared. It's preparation day. It's already been prepared and it's written down. John says these things happen. What? They didn't break his legs. These things happen. What? They stuck a spear instead. These things happen because it's written. And everything written is going to happen. Written down as a testimony. Written down as a witness. Do you know, right here, I'm holding a testimony. I'm holding a witness. If you refuse this testimony, if you refuse this witness, you stand in the darkness, rejecting the light. 
Do you believe the eyewitness testimony of John who watched it and wrote it down? I do. I do. I do. I do. Have you become a witness of this witness testimony of John? Listen, it's easy to say yes to the first one. I'm going to ask you again. Do you believe this eyewitness testimony of John who wrote it down? I do, I do, I do, I do, I do. But do you believe it enough that you'd go tell somebody else how to make sure death passes over them? Church, I'm asking you, this past week, I'll give you two weeks. No, I'll give you a month. How many people have you shared the good news that death can pass over you? Oh, I do, I do, I do believe this. Then surely, if you believe there's a cure to death, you'd be telling your family, you'd be telling your co-workers, you'd be telling people this good news, right? Everything written about Jesus by the prophets came true. We're on the other side of the cross. We got an advantage. Remember, the Passover was going to begin at sunset. Do you know the details of the original Passover 1,500 years before Jesus went to the cross? I want to read it to you because you can't make this up. 1,500 years before in the book of Exodus, chapter 12, then the Lord said to Moses and to Aaron, these are the instructions for the festival of Passover. No outsider will be allowed to eat the Passover meal. Now, I'm going to tell you, this is big. This is big, big, big. Listen, when this Passover thing began, God said something to Moses and to Aaron. No outsider is going to be able to experience the Passover. You're going to have to get on the inside. You've got to get in the family of God. You've got to become a child of God to experience the Passover. What, what, what does that say? What if you're not in the Passover? Then death's not going to pass over you. Death's going to get you. You want death to get you? Stay outside the Passover. This is big. So, so listen. These are the instructions for the festival of Passover. No, no outsiders are allowed to eat the Passover meal. But any slave who has been purchased may eat it if he's been circumcised. So, yeah, there's a way for outsiders to get in. You've got to be marked as one of God's children. You've got to be marked. Now, in the Old Testament, that was a physical circumcision. In the New Testament, it's a circumcision of the heart. You've you got you to be marked. Who marks you? The Holy Spirit marks you. So how do you get in the Passover? Any slave who has been purchased may eat of it if he's been circumcised. Temporary residents and hired servants may not eat it. If, if you're coming to church in reality, spiritually speaking, you're a temporary resident. You're a hired servant. You're not in the family of God. The Holy Spirit's never marked you. You're outside the Passover. And I'm going to tell you, you stay outside the Passover, death's going to get you. You better get inside this covenant. What is the Passover? It's the covenant of God that He will save your life. He will save your life. Death will go over top of you. It'll get a bunch of people, but it won't get you. Verse 46, each Passover lamb. Now listen, 1,500 years before Jesus goes to the cross, 
Each Passover lamb must be eaten in one house. Do not carry any of its meat outside and do not break any of its bones. Why do they care if they break a bone of a lamb? Because God knew who that lamb was going to be. Do not break any of his bones. God knew who the Passover was going to be. Do not break any of his bones. The whole community of Israel must celebrate this Passover festival. If that's not enough to get your attention, what about this one? Let's go to the book of Numbers, chapter 9. This is what the Lord's, this is, this was the Lord's reply to Moses. Give the following instructions to the people of Israel. If any of the people, now or in the future, now or in the future generations are ceremonially unclean at Passover time because of touching a dead body. That's why they've got to get these off the cross, right? Ceremony unclean because of a dead body, or if they're on a journey or cannot be present at the ceremony, they may still celebrate the Lord's Passover. God didn't want you to miss this. They must offer the Passover sacrifice one month later, later at twilight on the 14th day of the second month. They must eat the Passover lamb at a time with bitter salad greens and bread made without yeast. They must not leave any of the lamb until the next morning, and they must not break any of its bones. They must follow all the normal regulations concerning the Passover. He said, now or in the future. Not enough? You need more? You need more? Psalms 34, verse 20. For the Lord protects the bones of the righteous. Not one of them will be broken. Everything written in here is going to happen. They broke the bones of the thieves. Hastening their death. But they could not break Jesus' bones. Couldn't one of those soldiers said, ah, whatever, and just break them? No, he can't. He can't. Who's in charge? You see, here's the thing. Listen, here, let, let me cut to the chase. God's going to do what God's going to do. The only question, that, that's not a question. The question is whether you're going to be a part of what he's going to do. He's already prepared the Passover. The Passover lamb was sacrificed on the cross of Calvary. Redemption, death's going to pass over a bunch of people. The question is, one of those people going to be you? God's going to do what God's going to do. It's unstoppable. What about the piercing? They broke the bones of the thieves, but they could not break Jesus' bones. What about the piercing of his side? Why pierce a dead man's side? Why? Why? Because they have to. Why? Because it is written. This one is very mysterious. Listen, 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 listen. And this is where I get excited, okay? You think, well, you're already excited. You haven't seen it yet. This one, this one is prophetic. Listen, this one is prophetic. This one is very mysterious, and it deals with our current, right now, in this room, today, preparation day not just the past one what what this why why do they pierce his side this is prophecy it's going to happen 
The prophet Zechariah lived about 520 years B.C., and he prophesied of future events, even future events for us in this room today. Before I read it to you, I want you to realize that we are right now in the preparation day of this prophecy I'm about to read to you. And if you don't want to believe me, it's on you. But I'm going to tell you the truth. Right now, today, we are in the preparation day of what I am about to read to you. This is coming. Zechariah 12, verse 10. Old Testament prophecy. Then I will pour out a spirit. God. I will pour out a spirit of grace and prayer on the family of David and on the people of Jerusalem. And they will look on me Who's me? They will look on me whom they have pierced. What? In the future, God's going to do what God's going to do. He's going to pour out a spirit of grace and prayer on the family of David and in Jerusalem. And when he does, their eyes are going to open and they're going to look on me whom they have pierced and they're going to mourn for him as for an only son. And they will grieve bitterly for him as for a firstborn son who has died. This is coming. They won't be able to look at the one who is pierced if he's not been pierced. Why was Jesus pierced? He's already dead. They didn't break his legs, so why pierce him? Because in the future... There's going to be a group of people that are going to open their eyes. God's going to open their eyes by grace and by prayer. And they're going to look upon the one who is pierced. And they're going to weep and wail and mourn because they're going to see the Messiah that was rejected was the Messiah indeed. Are you prepared for that one? This one. I just read to you that event is future to this generation. Zechariah prophesied that God was going to do something amazing in the future. He will open the eyes of the Jewish people, the family of David, so that they can see the one that they pierced many years earlier. Do you have wisdom and understanding for that one? Are you prepared? Are you preparing for that one? Because here's the deal. Listen, listen, listen. All of that is to come to this right here. See, I believe right now we live in our preparation day. This is it. One way or the other, you're preparing or you're not preparing for the Sabbath that's coming. The rest with God. One way or the other, you're preparing or you're not preparing for the Passover. When death's going to pass over a whole bunch of people. Not everybody, but a bunch of people. The Apostle Paul writes to the Gentile church in waiting. Listen, listen. If you don't read it this way, then you're not reading it as, as it is written. The Apostle Paul writes to a Gentile church. These aren't Jews. They're Romans. They're Gentiles. And they're in the church age, and they're in waiting. Read the book of Romans. They're all waiting for the return of Christ. Here's what he says to the church in waiting. Now listen, if he's writing to a Gentile church in waiting, he's writing to me and you. Here we go. Romans 11, 7. So this is the situation. Most of the people of Israel have not found the favor of God they're looking for so earnestly. 
A few have, the ones God has chosen, but the hearts of the rest were hardened. As the scriptures say, God has put them into a deep sleep. To this very day, he has shut their eyes so they do not see, then closed their ears so they do not hear. Likewise, David said, let their bountiful table become a snare, a trap that makes them think all is well. Let their blessing cause them to stumble and let them get what they deserve. Let their eyes go blind so they cannot see and let their backs be bent forever. So here comes the question, verse 11. Paul, who is a Jew, talking to Gentiles, says this. Did God's people stumble and fall beyond recovery? Are all the Jewish people lost? Of course not. They were disobedient, so God made salvation available to you, to the Gentiles. But he wanted his own people the Jewish people, to become jealous and claim it for themselves. Now, if the Gentiles were enriched because the people of Israel turned down God's offer of salvation, think how much greater a blessing the world will share when, not if, not if, when, when they finally accept it. It's coming. When will they finally accept Jesus as Messiah? Do you know? It's in here. Do you know? It's in this book. I'm not making this up. When will they look at the one who is pierced and weep? Do you know? It's in this book. When will God pour out his spirit on the family of David and awaken them from their sleep and unveil their eyes to see Messiah? When? Let's go to verse 25. Romans chapter 11. I want you to understand this mystery, dear brothers and sisters, so that you will not feel proud about yourselves. He's talking to church people. Don't you feel proud about yourselves, Gentiles in the church age. Don't do it. Some of the people of Israel have hard hearts, but this will only last until what? Until what? This will only last, what? This veil over their eyes so they cannot see, they cannot hear, they cannot believe. This will only last until the full number of Gentiles comes to Christ and so all Israel will be saved as the scriptures say the one who rescues will come from Jerusalem who's coming for Jerusalem for the Jews I just read it to you a minute ago and he will turn Israel away from godliness who is he he is the one who is pierced recorded in Zechariah's prophecy and this is my covenant. What? This is my covenant. Covenant. God said what? This is my covenant with them. I will take away their sins. You and I are living in the time of the Gentiles. It is our preparation day. It is the church age. You and I live under a new covenant. The blood of Christ. He is the Passover. One day that final Gentile is going to come into the kingdom. And our preparation day is going to end. Can I just say this? If you're in the room today and you're in that, you are that last Gentile, I wish you'd come on. You're messing it up for the rest of us. This is our time. This is our time to be grafted into the family of God, the blood of Christ, to enter into the covenant, the blood covenant of Jesus. 
Do you believe all this about the sixth day and six hours and the day of preparation? Do you believe all this stuff about the first Adam bringing death and the last Adam bringing life on the sixth day, revealing a Passover? Do you believe all this stuff? Because I do. Do you believe all this about everything written in this book is going to take place? Do, do, do you really believe that one day that God's going to pour out His Spirit of grace and supplication upon the people of David in Jerusalem and they're going to weep and wail and mourn as they look upon the one who is pierced? Yes, I believe it. It's going to happen. And you know what will happen when that happens? The time of the Gentiles will be over. It's done. It's done. When the full number of Gentiles comes in. Are you sure you believe? Let me ask one last question. Do you believe Revelation 1, 7? It's a letter to the church. Are you preparing? Are you living in preparation day of Revelation 1, 7? Let me read Let's take a test together, okay? I'll never ask you to take a test. I'm not willing to take it myself. Here we go. Revelation 1, 7. Written to a church. Look. He comes with the clouds of heaven. And everyone will see him. What? 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 Everyone's going to see him. Even those who pierced him. And all the nations of the world will mourn for him. Yes, Amen. This is our preparation day. You're living in it. Are you prepared? What did you think you were supposed to do on preparation day? Take a break? Church, I'm asking, what did you think you're supposed to be doing on preparation day? Preparing. You're supposed to be pre preparing for the Passover. You're supposed to be preparing for the Sabbath. Are you? We've been doing our roots Revelation study on Revelation. One thing is clear. Jesus said, not Terry Cooper said, Jesus said, if you've got a problem with this, it's way over me. Jesus said, I'm coming soon. Now, we studied that sentence, and it could be translated, I'm coming suddenly and soon. Suddenly. Like a thief in the night in the flash or twinkling of an eye. Are you prepared for that? I'm going to ask you. Are you prepared that he's going to come suddenly? It'll be a flash in a twinkling of an eye. You won't be able to prepare in a flash. This is our preparation day. This is our time. When the full number of Gentiles comes in, he's announced in advance that he's going to open the eyes of Israel and they're going to weep and wail and mourn as they look upon the one who is pierced. But when that happens, our day's gone. Are you prepared for that? You see, here's the thing. Believers are prepared. They have taken full advantage of this wait-a-minute moment. Because I'm going to tell you where we are right now. Church age, we're in a wait-a-minute moment. From God's perspective, this is a wait-a-minute moment. And you know what? I'm going to tell you the truth. You know what I find the church? distracted I find the church in everything except preparing for this I'm telling you the truth and I'm talking to you I find the church distracted 
in everything except the thing that you need to be prepared for. One last scripture. Revelation 19.6. You prepare for this? <laughs> you think this is a game? This is Jesus standing in between heaven and hell. Begging you to prepare your life for the Passover that's coming. Because I'm going to tell you, death doesn't pass over you. You will spend eternity in hell. You will spend forever in hell without this Passover. That's what this Passover is. This Passover is to snatch you out of the fire of hell. Are, are you prepared for that? Revelation 19, then I heard again what sounded like a shout of a vast crowd or the roar of a mighty ocean waves or the crash of loud thunder. Praise the Lord, for the Lord our God, the Almighty, reigns. Let us be glad and rejoice and let us give honor to Him for the time has come. The wedding feast of the Lamb. And listen, listen, listen. And His bride, what, what? Has prepared herself. She's ready. She, she's prepared herself. He didn't come like a thief in the night to the church. You know what the church was? Where you been? We've been waiting on you for generations. My whole life I've been waiting on you. This is not, well, I'll get to that one day. She has been given the finest, who, who, the bride, the church, the prepared church says she has been given the finest pure white linen to wear. For the fine linen represents the good deeds of God's holy people. And the angel said to me, write this, write it down, John, blessed are those who are invited to the wedding feast of the Lamb. And then he added something. These are the true words that come from God. Are you prepared? Will you celebrate the Passover? I'm going to. I'll ask Chad to come out for the invitation. You see, one thing was sure. The Jews understood that to celebrate the Passover, you had to get ready. We've got to get these, these bodies off the cross. We can't celebrate the Passover in the midst of death. Because... Passover is the opposite of death. We've got to get these bodies off. Are you prepared to celebrate the Passover? The Passover is when you acknowledge death's passed over you. I'll tell you how you celebrate it. You receive the good news and you share the good news. Because I'm going to tell you, Jesus told us before he left that each one of us has been called to go make disciples. How many people you invited to church last week? we got a whole lot of room in here. We run out of room, we'll add more services. When y'all get this in full, we'll do another. And I'm going to ask you, every one of you, who did you invite to church this Sunday? Who are you preparing for the Passover? Maybe you're not ready for the Passover. Maybe that's why you're not inviting somebody else to the Passover. Today, we celebrate the Passover. This is not a game. This is serious. So today, 
I want to use this song as not just an invitation. It is an invitation. But I want to make this song a time of commitment where you and I commit the rest of our life to God. We're going to be prepared ourselves, and we're going to be in the business of getting other people prepared for the wedding supper of the Lamb. Because the church is going to be ready. The real church, she's going to be ready. You ready? Let's stand. The invitation's over.